Hello and welcome back to the Florida Hockey Podcast. Justin Bedford joined by Felix this week. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks again for the invite. Love to be on. I can't wait to talk about some Panthers action. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm excited you could join too because Noah couldn't make it. And if you couldn't join, then it was just going to be me. And those ones are mm-hmm. always the worst, especially for this episode because we have lots to talk about. Not going to lie. Like usually I look forward to recording these episodes. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, a fun thing that we have the privilege to be able to do. This one, though, wasn't so much looking forward to it um, because of certain stuff surrounding, you know, the Blackhawks and Coach Q, which we'll get into later in the episode. But we got to start off. We'll talk about the Panthers. They remain undefeated. Uh, the big 5-3 win over Arizona. I only watched pieces of the game and some of the recap. You watched the full game. Um, so I'm curious to hear your thoughts about you know, how the team played, what'd you see, what'd you like? Yeah, no, um, great game for the most part. Panthers came out absolutely swinging, dominated that first period. I think the shots were 19-1 at one point. The game was 1-1, so it was uh, not the best look for Spencer Knight in, uh, in the in opening minutes just because he allowed a goal in the, on the first shot. But all four lines were rolling. I um, I was curious to see how Orngvist was going to do now that he's back on PP1. It's been two games. And that power play unit really seems to be finding their groove. And even the second unit seems to be contributing now. So I think they might stick with those units for a little while. But overall, like Panthers were just the better team as they should against the Coyotes. And they grabbed that 4-1 lead at one point. Then you can t- kind of tell they settled down a bit, allowed two quick goals to um, the Coyotes. But then Duclair did his thing, was 5-3. And uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it was a, a – the score might – Tell a different story. I think the Panthers absolutely dominated that game, even though it resulted in a 5-3 victory, but overall dominated performance. Yeah, like I think the scoreline definitely flatters Arizona a bit. Um, we talked uh, with Noah before the game about things we were looking to see. Obviously, this is a game the Panthers should win and did win, but we really wanted to see you know the special teams kind of get going, to see the power play get going. Hornquist coming back in there. Um, it looked much better. They're able to knock home a couple goals. So that was uh, a big positive to see that, to see it finally click. Um, and yeah, and getting the win is is huge, The getting the points from Arizona. Um, even though, you know, Arizona, obviously, they don't have as much skill or depth as the Panthers do. But, um, you know, still, like, those are the games you can still lose those games if you underestimate your opponent. Like, Arizona, like, yeah, on paper, they don't look great, but they're going to go out. They're going to work hard. That's what they did. They got great goaltending from Carter Hutton in the first. Unfortunately, he had to leave the game, um, which, you know, is too bad for for them. Uh, and the other thing, too, I saw some people, you know, there was maybe some some criticism of, you know, Spencer Knight. You know, he lets in the first goal on the first shot. You've dominated, right? To me, like, first of all, it's a great goal by Clayton Keller. Like, it's a great move, right? Knight, you know, his paddle's there. It just goes through it. 
Um, and for a goalie, like those games can be, you know, I've played goalie a little bit and it can be tricky when you don't face a lot of shots and there's a long time in between shots. It's hard to really get yourself into the game. Like it was that first shot came 18 minutes into the game. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. When you're standing there for 18 minutes doing pretty much nothing. Right. And then the first shot you face, it's a Clayton Keller breakaway. Uh, it's a bit tricky, so I don't fault really Spencer Knight for that. He gets the win. He remains undefeated, 6-0 and to start his career. Uh, future's bright there. So, overall, I think you got to be happy with that. And also, got to sit Jumbo Joe getting his first as a Panther. Exactly. It's big. Big big for the program. Yeah. All the other thing I want to say, too, is that, like, a couple of the goals in the games for the Panthers are some pretty, like, greasy goals, which, like, you like to see because a lot of the goals you know, are very they, they score some nice goals this team right um but you can't you can't always do that and especially against you know a, a gritty team like Arizona you're going to need to score those greasy goals and having guys that are able to score those types of goals like Hornquist and Thornton that can stand in front and create havoc I think is is huge and is the sign of a good team that you know it's not all you know Sam Bennett Jonathan Huberto on a two on zero which you know you love to see. Yeah, that was pretty pretty nice to see. But no, I agree, and, and it was good to see uh, Frank a guy getting his first regular Frank the season. Tank, baby, he had an amazing preseason, so it was good good to see him as well get one on on the board. And I'm a big fan of Duclair this year. I think he's is tremendous player and um, scored his fourth, albeit uh, you know at the last minute of the game. But overall, I think that's the difference between last year and this year, right? The Panthers. Had a lot of skill last year as well, but didn't get those greedy goals, didn't get those those bounces at times, but now it feels like they're really fighting and they're making a bit of their own luck, which is sometimes a difference between a good and a great team. And I feel like we're seeing some of these signs coming along for the Panthers, which, I mean, 6-0 speaks for itself, but it's good to see how they get those dubs as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important to be able to score in multiple different ways and have multiple different players scoring. I agree. I think Declare's been fantastic this year. Um, which is great for him. Easy guy to root for. Uh, you know, he's kind of found a nice nice role there in the top six uh, and be able to bump Reinhardt down to that third line. And third line's been great. Obviously, Lindell, uh, not able to play last game. Uh, but overall, that line has been really solid for the team. Uh, and so all positives, I mean, you're 6-0 you're and to start the year. You can't, you can't ask for anything better. Uh, you're getting great goaltending. You're getting scoring from everywhere. Your defense has been solid for the most part. Uh, so all positive signs there, but, uh, tonight, which by the time this episode is out, the game will have already happened, but it's Panthers Bruins, uh, a tough opposition in Boston. Uh, one of the top teams in the Atlantic for several years now, they haven't played a ton this year. I think only four games so far. Uh, how do the Panthers win this one? I think it's going to be the difference maker will be their depth, right? I think, uh, top heavy Boston is probably as good as the Panthers. If not, you can argue that they have one of the best top lines in the hockey. Um, but I think the difference is that second, that third line, uh, two power play units that can con- contribute now. And overall, a defensive court has been amazing so far. You can argue that that top pair uh, by the Bruins has been amazing, but then you can also argue that the Panthers' three pairs have been amazing so far. So I think they'll definitely get them. I think, again, it won't be a, a top line difference maker kind of game, but I feel like the second or third and even fourth line could be the big difference maker here. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm always looking at like those forward versus defensive matchups, that pairing of Greslick and McAvoy. I know the first game Boston tried to split them up to start the game. I don't know why that was ever a thought. Uh, it lasted about half of that game, 
they've been back together since then. And Grizzlick and McAvoy have been excellent. Uh, yeah, I know we're both big McAvoy fans. We think he's one of the best, you know, mm-hmm. young defensemen in the game. Uh, and you show in that early this season. Uh, so that top pairing has been huge for Boston. But then you get outside of that and you look like you got uh, Mike Riley, who's looked great since he's been in Boston. Um, and you got Brandon Carlo, who's a good defenseman. But I think for me, like you got to target him with speed. And that's what the Panthers mm-hmm. have throughout their lineup. Plenty right? of, yeah. Like that's the thing. Like you can get speed matchups away from that top pairing and you can have guys like Duclair who are going to push the pace uh, and make life really hard on those defensemen. Uh, I'm not sold on Derek Forbert. He just seems like a third pair guy at best. So to me, I like the way the the Panthers forwards match up against the defense. Um, but it'll, it's going to be a good game for sure. Uh, I imagine Boston, they've gotten great goaltending from Linus Olmark uh, so far this season. Uh, and it looks like he's going to be going tonight, I believe. Yeah, he's the confirmed starter for tonight. Um, had two amazing games so far. It wasn't the first uh, their first game starter because uh, I think their coach mentioned that uh, you didn't have the preseason that they wanted, but he seems to be settling quite all right in his role in Boston has been amazing so far. So I feel like uh, with Bob and Ned for the Panthers, I feel like that goalie matchup is very fairly even. I feel like both goalies could, um, you know, make some key saves for their team. So I don't think that's where the Panthers will win tonight necessarily. But like you just mentioned, I think exporting some of those deep pairs flaws will, will, will be key and using their speeds to maximize on, on that will be massive for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think there's a lot of similarities between these two teams and that they can both play with speed. They can both play physical. So I expect this is going to be like a pretty high event game. I think we're going to see lots of good chances kind of at both ends uh, and goaltending is going to be huge for them. But I'm looking at Uyghur and Akblad and like, they're going to have a tough task. They're going to be up against that Bergeron line all night. Uh, I'd have to imagine. Uh, So how they're able to contain them, like, and Brad Marchand, he's off to a great start this season. Easily probably one of the best, you know, wingers in the game. But to me, yeah, it's, it's got to come down to the depth and it's going to be a, a really good game. So I'm, I'm looking to see from the Panthers another good game from Bobrovsky, which so far so good this season uh, with his four starts. And uh, once again, yeah, I want to see special teams kind of carry over uh, because, you know, it's great to see him get on the board last game against Arizona, but Boston a little bit tougher, maybe a bit more pressure on the penalty kill. Uh, so I'm looking to see uh, – how the special teams do against a, a top, top team here. But either yeah, no, way. I agree. Like, I think it's, it might be early, but I do feel like if I were to rank the teams in that division, uh, Panthers would be one, Boston probably be two, just because of the current flaws that Tampa Bay and, and Toronto have, have shown. So it would be interesting to see those top teams going at it tonight for sure. I mean, that sounds like some disrespect towards our Buffalo Sabres. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, even Detroit to some degree, I'd had some amazing games as well, but. In the end, if you, let's say, given there are 20 games, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Panthers and Boston battling uh, at the top of the division there. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Like, so far, like, going into the season, the expectation was pretty much, you know, Boston, uh, Tampa, Panthers, Leafs, those would be the top four teams. Boston, Florida right now are living up to that, whereas Toronto and Tampa, I think, are just competing to see who can be the most disappointing. Um <laughs> And they're, they're both doing great. It's neck and neck right now. Yeah, they're doing, uh, maybe, they're doing maybe, amazing. Yeah, they're both doing – they're crushing it right now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Boston, like, they, yeah, they came in. They're looking good. I wasn't – like, 
100% sold on them before this season just because, like, I think David Krejci was a big part of that team. Um, and I think that second line still could, you know, get going a bit more without them. But overall, like, they're playing great as a team. They're a good hockey team. They're well-coached. Uh, so it's going to be a good game. And then I think they play them pretty quickly soon after this, too, in another one. Uh, so we'll look out for that one as well. But it should be a fun one. I'm excited because I actually get to watch the game tonight. Because uh, I've missed the, the last couple. I've had to watch them back the day after. So I'm excited to do that. Uh, but should be a lot of fun here. Uh, we're going to move on now because we got to talk about the, the Chicago stuff. But before we do, a quick ad read here from our good friends over at DraftKings. NFL fans, are you hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It is that simple. If DraftKings Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed, and everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests, DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets if they win. You win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Oh, my goodness. Out of breath. <clears throat> but, all right. So, yesterday, we got the official uh, report from uh, the investigation into the Chicago Blackhawks. I believe it's a 107-page report. Um, lots of information in there, uh, a lot of stuff that was maybe assumed, uh, some new stuff in there as well. Um, we're not going to go into too many uh, details about the case and stuff like that. And I will say, you know, because I know this is, you know, a sensitive topic. If there's anyone listening and you think this might upset you, please turn off the podcast now. Don't listen. And we appreciate you tuning into the first half. Um, but we got to start off. So, uh, lots of stuff in there. Um, but we'll talk about uh, the punishment for the Blackhawks. Obviously, uh, Stan Bowman is out. John McIsaac is out. Anyone involved with that 2010 incident is out. Uh, and the Blackhawks being fined $2 million uh, by the National Hockey League. What are your thoughts on just the case itself and the punishment? Well, the whole case, like, you... it's fucked. Yeah, it's. Uh... There's no really good way of putting it by any means. We've been aware of the situation for a little while. Um, to a degree, it was interesting to see the amount of details provided in that 107-page big document. But I think the punishment were probably definitely justified, uh, to say the least. Could have been more, probably. Um, but it's at least a good first step I would say into taking amends. I think it was just 11 years too late, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I think it would give the Blackhawks a chance to start from fresh with no one from the organization to the exception of Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, 
uh, two players. Well, that were. yeah, like that, that's the interesting part for, for me because obviously what, one of the things that was kind of new in, in the document that wasn't kind of public before was more details about, you know, how players in the room handled it. Uh, some of the jokes maybe that were thrown around, some of the homophobic language that was thrown around. And I think that, you know, creates a lot of questions around the the leadership core that was there at that time and some of the pieces like Taves and Kane that are, are still there. And, uh, you know, how you allow that kind of stuff to happen uh, after something like this has happened to one of your teammates. Uh, definitely kind of disappointing from those two players. And, I mean, there's not going to be any punishment for them, I can't imagine, right? Um, but it doesn't reflect well on them or any of the other, you know, core players that are there at the time, like Seabrook or Duncan Keith, who's now in Edmonton, uh, players like that. So that was a bit surprising and disappointing to, to see in the report. No, I agree. And you can argue technically that Jonathan Taves maybe wasn't aware of what was going on, but when you're a captain and when you praise the leadership that has been, you know, praised in the past from Jonathan Taves, if he didn't know it was his job to know, um, and yeah. speak on it and act on it. Cause I feel like from all levels, this was unacceptable. And, um, I guess we can slowly slide into one member that's currently coaching the Florida Panthers. It didn't get any repercussions so far. And there's been a lot of talks around what should happen with coach Q. What are your thoughts there? Well, <clears throat> It's a it's a tricky spot we're in here with this one because I know mm-hmm. we, we know no matter what we say on this, like there are gonna be, be people who listen to this and are upset by it, right? It's a no-win situation for us. Um before I share uh my thoughts about the whole coach Q situation as it pertains to kind of him and Kevin Chevel Day off too, uh who's in Winnipeg, who's also gonna uh, have a similar meeting with with Gary Bettman, Quenville's meeting with Bettman tomorrow. And we'll be behind the bench tonight uh, coaching against the Bruins. Uh, But I just want to recap some of the stuff uh, from the document that pertains to Coach Q. Um, So he's in that first meeting uh, with the other upper management and stuff. Uh, And Quenville basically said, you know, they couldn't deal with this issue now because they didn't want to affect team chemistry. You're in the middle of the playoffs. Uh, And so basically didn't want to deal with it until – three weeks, you know, in, in for a bit, right. While they're in the middle of this playoff run, he was concerned about the team chemistry. So they didn't want to take any action. The other part of it too, is after this incident, after the playoffs and whatever, uh, there was a, uh, basically recommendation by coach Quenville talking about, uh, Brad Ulrich, uh, and his kind of role with the team and basically saying, you know, he did great work. Um, you know, was a big part of their success, whatever, um, was always, you know, doing his job, basically that kind of positive performance review, uh, looks really bad, especially knowing that coach Q, you know, knew about, uh, the allegations at the time he was in the room and they were brought forward. Um, that doesn't look great on, on, on coach Q, uh, for sure. So those are kind of the, the two major things to look at for me like that's coach q that and the fact that he previously denied knowledge of knowing about any of this until this summer um i think we can pretty clearly see and we'd kind of assume too that that wasn't true and very similar to jonathan taze if he didn't know it's his job to know right Mm -hmm. um and you know he's 
basically prioritizing winning hockey games over the safety of his, you know, fellow, you know, his players and uh, with the organization. So, yeah, the question is, what, what do you do about Coach Q? And it's tough because, look, like Panthers are winning games. Coach Q is undoubtedly a big part of why they're winning games. It's his system. He's the coach. Uh, in terms of on ice performance, like no one can say he's done a bad job with the Panthers so far, right? That's unquestionable. But should he face uh, punishment uh, from what happened, you know, 11 years ago in Chicago? And I think the answer is yes, right? Like I think he absolutely needs to be some punishment. Um, should he be fired? I think is what a lot of people, you know, are hoping to see. There's some people who are, no, we're going to stand by our coach. Um, you know, but no, I think like accountability matters or it should matter. It doesn't happen a ton in sport, but it should, it's important, uh, that people are held accountable for the actions. I like fully understand if coach Q could go back and handle things differently. I guarantee that he would, but the reality is, is that those are his actions. That's the decisions he made. He was prioritizing the success of the team uh, over his players. I know some people are saying, you know, I've seen some people on Twitter saying it's not his job. It's not his, it's the upper management's job. His job's to go out there and win hockey games. And I get that, but you know, you're a human being first, you're a coach second, right? I understand your job as a coach is to yeah keep team chemistry good to win games. I understand that, but your job as a human being first is to treat people with respect and to care about their safety, especially of your own players. And he failed in that regard. And I think not punishing him now would that send kind of the same message back then uh, would send the same messages back then, which is that, success in winning hockey games means more than doing the morally right thing. And so I think there needs to like, as sad as it is, cause I, you know, I love coach Q and what he's done for this team and the way this team plays. And I'm, you know, grateful for that, but there needs to be something. So I, I would fire him. I, I really would. And, and, but, but I'm, yeah. but I'm not happy about it. Like, but that's no, what I would uh, do. But I was I'm, curious I'm, to see. Yeah. <clears throat> but I, yeah. Like, what are, what are your thoughts? Would, well, I, th I think you did a pretty good job there doing a bit of a recap and then sharing your insight on, on, on the matter. But um, I was leaning towards uh, him being fired as well. I was curious to see where you're going to end up there. Um, so I'm on board. It's just at the end of the day, you need to take a, take a look back and say, okay, who is accountable? And the answer to that question is a lot of people. And is Quenville part of that problem? And the answer is yes. And I feel yeah. like consequences cannot be treated lightly um like i don't think a fine are, is going to do any justice to uh to john doe or anything so um at the end of the day i would i would fire him as well as much as it hurts to say and people might be upset to hear that um i think there's only one appropriate way to deal with that and it, it could definitely result in him losing his job now on top of that with one thing that's going to make a massive difference that was just released about 10 minutes ago, the ind individual in question, John Doe will be on sports center tonight. His identity will be revealed and he will share his side of the story on the broadcast tonight. So I think that's, that's massive. It takes a lot of well, courage I, I, I to do something like that. Yeah. That's incredible so, courage. I mean, cause I know a lot of people were like 
in, in the report, and I get, you know, I'm, I'm glad they made the report public, but there was a lot of details in there about John Doe that would make mm-hmm. it easy to, to figure out who the identity was, um, which is true because I get making the report public, but stuff like that where you're almost outing the victim um, is not great. But uh, yeah, them, a lot of courage, yeah, to go on Sportsnet. Um, so we'll be watching uh, that, I'm sure, tonight. Uh, but yeah, really awful scenario. I'm curious to see what, yeah, what happens with Coach Q after the meeting uh, tomorrow. Like, to be clear, I don't expect he will be fired. I imagine he remains with this team because this is the NHL, and that is usually what happens. But I think just based around everything we know, and I think the the biggest thing for me, the biggest issue I have with everything and reason I would fire him is the letter of recommendation yeah. and the fact that there are several instances after, including with an intern with the Blackhawks, where Brad Ulrich um, had conducted, you know, where he assaulted certain people or made advances towards them. And by giving him that glowing a reference of letter, like you let the guy go, you don't have to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you did. And that enabled him to, you know, victimize other people. Others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Which is just awful. And uh, like, I don't know how you sleep well at night knowing that something you did directly led to that. Um, like I would, I would really struggle with that. But to me, I think the morally right thing to would be to as sad as it is, is would be to let coach Q go. And I know that that might, you know, hurt the team on the ice. Um, but there, there's more to life than hockey, right? Mm-hmm. You know, as much as we all love this team and I know a lot of people, you know, want to stand by Coach Q and uh, want to wait until the meeting with Gary Bettman. But I think based on what we know now, like that, that's enough for me to say that he shouldn't uh, have the privilege to be the coach of this team any longer. As sad as that is, because everything he's done in his time here, you know, has, has been great in terms of helping turn this team around. Um, and if you don't do it too, like it just is just this black mark hanging around the team. Um you know, and there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of people upset either way, realistically. Um, and it's just unfortunate that, you know, the Panthers, you know, are, are, are caught up in all this. Um, but I think, you know, they, they need to deal with it in some capacity at the very least. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly spot on there. And it's just like, I'm not going to try to defend coach you in any means, but I can somewhat understand the pressure from upper management and the moment to look the other way, maybe his job was in question as well. Like there could, could have been those things that we don't necessarily know about. And again, that doesn't make it right by any means, but the fact that after the events, you then yeah. made a decision to write that letter to me is, is what doesn't make sense. And, and you mentioned that as well, but there's a difference between sometimes being part of the victim and, and the problem facing from maybe the owners and, and, and GM and you want to save your job and you know you're you're coaching a team so I can somewhat get, yeah I guess yeah you're, you're under a lot of, of pressure I can understand that a little bit like again like we're not going to sit here and make excuses for the yeah. actions of anybody in this Absolutely instance not. but uh that that is like a real thing that happens you know when you're feeling a lot of pressure and being a coach in the National Hockey League is, is a lot of pressure Right. Mm. So I can understand in that moment, the pressure to win. I understand that a little bit, but the letter after the fact, knowing what, you know, yeah. uh, and even again, you're a coach in the room and you have the players making these homophobic jokes and you're letting that slide, let that happen. Um, mm. Is, is not great. 
another thing too i'd love to see happen would i'd love to see brad aldrich's name removed from the cup which yeah should happen uh, it should happen and and then again just just to be clear the pressure doesn't justify the actions no i'm just somewhat trying to get a sense of the global picture and the different moments on the timeline just to kind of like get a better picture like pressure doesn't justify acting in such a way um but then it's acting in such a way when the pressure was not there anymore that's disgusting to me Um, yeah yeah like again yeah it doesn't justify it but like you can understand that like reasoning and thought process behind those actions but the letter to me after the fact um is the you know the real kind of smoking gun here we'll see what happens um this episode's out tomorrow on thursday um coach q will have had his meeting by then we'll see what action if any happens um Mm. but yeah until then that's all we got for this episode uh thank you to everyone tuning and listening uh as always we appreciate it and we'll be back on monday with a brand new episode and we'll see you all then Just do the-